Acts chapter 9, thank you for participating tonight, and it's good to hear from some of you, and we appreciate your testimonies. It encourages my heart, and uh, sometimes that's the preaching I get and get to take home with me. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, title tonight, Is He Worthy? I won't keep you very long. I, I know that the weather has been bad and, and uh, gets concerning sometimes. I, I don't know about you, but I... I do not like driving in the dark when it's raining. Does that bother anybody else? The way the light hits the rain, and I, uh, I need to just join the teenagers, don't I? And but it's true. You just hit a certain age, and that light hits the rain, and boy, it's hard to see. And so I'm thankful that we live in town and have some street lights anyway. But uh, let's uh, let's get into the Word of God tonight. I won't keep you very long. It's just been a. Uh, Service. I was hoping and praying that we'd just be refreshed tonight. Just kind of sing a little bit and share some testimonies, nothing formal, but just be refreshed in the Lord and His goodness. And uh, you say, well, we didn't sing my song. Well, you didn't raise your hand. I, I tried. I tried to get your, your song up here. But anyway, I hope that it was a blessing to you. Acts chapter 9. I'll just draw a couple thoughts out of this passage tonight. And Saul... Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Brother Calvin, would you mind getting me a water, please? Verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul... Saul, why persecutest thou me? I wonder, as that voice came, as the light shined round about him and Saul fell to the earth, I often wonder about that voice, what it sounded like. It is just my opinion, and you can have a completely different opinion than I, and you can be completely right, but I think there was a lot of tenderness in that voice. I have never known Jesus to come in mercy and in grace to also be vengeful and full of wrath. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Perhaps Jesus with a broken heart said those very words. And he said, who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Thank you. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. The men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord, for the time that we've spent tonight as a family sharing some favorite songs and singing praises to your name. Father, sharing testimonies of your goodness. Father, would you put praise upon each of our lips? Help us, Lord, not to be shy. I know many do not like to speak in front of others, but Lord, may we remain silent on a lot of things, but when it comes to praising our God, may we lift up our voice. May a rock never have to cry out on our behalf. 
Father, I pray that you'd help us in the Word of God tonight. Speak to our hearts. And just in this couple simple thoughts tonight, Lord, would you speak to us and help us? Lord, I need your help. I surrender to you, and I ask that you'd speak. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 9, of course, we see Paul, the conversion of the Apostle Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles. This Wednesday night, we'll have a missionary in, and I I forgot to get it into the bulletin, but Brother Daniel Jenkins is passing through our area, and he's speaking in some other churches anyway, and he, I I said, we'll only have a few in prayer meeting, as many are involved in master clubs, but he'll be here on Wednesday night, and we're going to try to work it out so that maybe he can go to some classes and speak to some kids as well about missions, and he's in the country of the Gambia. The Gambia is surrounded right there by Liberia, and it's in the center of there, and and uh, he's been serving there for four years with his wife, and his wife just had a baby a couple weeks ago, so she's unable to make the trip. Brother Jenkins has a clear testimony of what God wants him to do. He believed with all his heart the first time I met him that God wanted him to go to the Gambia. I don't know exactly what it was that provoked his heart, what burden that arose in his mind that would lead him to that place, but... He seemed that God had called him and he had surrendered and he was willing to go. We see Saul here, the apostle later to be called Paul, that would also surrender. And we notice the question that he asked in in verse 6. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What purpose would you have me fulfill? What mission should I accomplish in my life? If there was anything that we could say about Saul, and I think it would be a compliment if he were to hear it, he was a zealot. He was zealous about persecuting Christians. As a matter of fact, he would use those very words when he was persecuting them and bringing them to their certain death and bringing them to prison and hauling them out before magistrates and justices. He said, there is blood on my hands. I was zealous of the works of the law. And God saw the zealous heart and knew that he could take this man and he would employ the same zealous spirit towards evangelizing a world for Christ. And he asked the question, what wilt thou have me to do? What is the need? Lord, give me a burden based upon their need for the gospel. We often have missionaries come through and they will show slides and presentations and videos and they'll get up and they'll share their burden about a particular place or people. And and so the need is presented very clearly and every once in a while, it'll affect the heart of somebody else and they'll say, Pastor, let's, let's support that missionary and if the church cannot support that mission, I'd like to support them a little bit. I'd like to take a trip and visit them. I'd like to surrender to go and do whatever I can to help them reach those people. And our hearts become burdened and pricked, and and I think that's a good thing. There's others that will say, well, you know, I don't know how much of a burden I have particularly, but I want to be obedient. The Lord's command is to go into all the world and preach the gospel in Mark 16, 15. Mark, Matthew 28 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so I don't know exactly what the Lord would have me to do just yet, but I want to be obedient to the voice of the Lord and the call of God. I think both of those things are good. 
We need to examine the need and have a burden placed upon our hearts and lives. We need to be obedient to the call of God. But if we would look carefully at Scripture, I think we will find something tonight that's very important. We'll find that it's out of order. It's out of order. I think too many times people will come and say, what can I do? I have a burden. What can I do? I want to be obedient in my service to the Lord. And the problem is this. We quickly get burnt out. We get tired. And we fall away. I want you to notice from the scriptures tonight some things about Paul's questions. In Acts chapter 9, we read in verse 4, it says, He fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he asked the first question in verse 5. He said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And so the Apostle Paul asks two questions. The first establishes the worth of God. Who art thou, Lord? The second establishes the will of God. What wilt thou have me to do? Understand what the Apostle Paul is doing here. Even though he was not yet saved... He was zealous of the law and of the works of the law. And he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he would later say. But he understood something about God. He wanted to know, first of all, who it is that's speaking. What authority have you come to me by? And who is this Lord? And immediately upon hearing it was Jesus that had come to him in this cloud and the voice of God that he heard. He said, what will you have me to do? Sometimes we've got it the other way around. We concern ourselves about fulfilling a mandate. We concern ourselves about that Sunday school class that's missing a teacher. And and don't get me wrong, I am thankful for people that say, where's a need? I want to help. What can I do to be a blessing to my church? Where can I pitch in? Where can I fit in? I appreciate that so much. But I'm here to tell you tonight that if you're doing it to fill a mandate, to be obedient rather than to to, to serve to the glory of God, you're going to burn out. I don't think we can ever point to a, a passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul said, I went to this city and I preached the gospel because I just felt like that's what I should do. Or I just had a burden for those people. Not that that would be wrong to have a burden. You cannot preach the gospel in the wrong place. But if you read about Paul's life carefully, you'll find this, that everywhere he went to preach the gospel, he did so for the glory of God. I've been praying about what our theme should be for 2022, and 1 Corinthians 10.31 has been settled in my heart that we are to give, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do, we are to do to the glory of God. And we understand that, you know, right now the choir, I'm telling you, they're singing so well. I enjoy practice, and often it brings tears to my eyes just to stand before them and listen to them sing. And we've been singing that song, Praise the King. He is risen. Man, it stirs my heart. We've been singing, Behold our God. We've been singing for all he's done. 
There are many things that I could thank him for. And if I started now until I die, there'd still be many more. But if I could mention only one, I would thank him for his son. Because that's enough to praise the Lord for all he's done. And it just stirs my heart. But I'm going to be honest with you, choir member, two, three years from now, you're going to say, oh, another choir practice. 3.30. I notice even today, it was about the third or fourth practice we've had, that 3.30 practice, everybody's going, oh, it's cutting into my nap. And 3.45, 3.45 practice becomes 3.50 practice because we're dragging. Can I remind you? It's not about what you should be doing. It's about who you are doing it for. It's about the glory of God. The Apostle Paul understood this. Let me say this. You don't get beaten and left for dead outside of a city. Stand up and dust yourself off and say, let's go to the next one. If you're doing it to fulfill in a mandate. If you're doing it because it's your mission. If you're doing it because it's just something you've always done and you want to be faithful and complete and complete your task. The only way to accomplish that is because you're trying with your life to bring glory to a holy God. And you want to obey and love and honor him. So we ask the question, who art thou, Lord? And then we ask, Lord, what would you have me to do? Turn back to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at a couple scriptures here. Genesis chapter 3. From the very beginning, Satan has tried to lower the worth of God in your eyes. That's what he's tried to do. Everything in the world, everything in the world, you say every, everything, is trying to lower the worth of God in your eyes. You say, can you prove that? First John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that be in the world. All that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's it. Everything that Satan is doing is trying to reduce the worth of God. Look at Genesis chapter 3 with me tonight. Notice what the Bible says in verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. And notice what he says, Ye shall be as what? God's. Knowing good and evil. Satan just simply questioned the word of God. He questioned the commands of the holy God and he presented them back to Adam and Eve as if they were unrealistic. Did God really say that? Well, that's not really what's going on because God knows that in the day you eat thereof, you will be like him. Now, Satan didn't even believe what he was saying. Because he says, you will be like God's small g. But how many of you know that when somebody is talking, you don't get to hear whether it's a capital or a small letter? 
All he hears, all that Eve hears is, ye shall be like gods. And she says, that sounds pretty good. But understand this, in order for us to achieve godhood, God has to be Lord a billion miles to come down to our level. Satan has always tried to destroy the worth of God. And here's the problem. If he can succeed in your life to make us think that God is not worthy or God is not as valuable as he really is, then why would we serve him? Why would we go next door and tell somebody about Jesus? Why would we knock on the door of somebody that we don't even know to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why would we leave our home and our family and go across the sea to tell others in a heathen land about the Lord Jesus Christ? Why would we ever do anything for God if he is not worthy? And so Satan seeks to destroy his worth. Somebody said this, and I think this is a a great, great quote. Listen. Missions is not about crossing the sea, it's about seeing the cross. Let me say that again. Missions is not about crossing the sea, it's about seeing the cross. Getting in our hearts who God really is and is he worthy of what he calls us to do and should we serve him? And the answer is always 100% yes, God is worthy. He died for you. On the cross of Calvary. Let me give you a few biblical examples. Turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I, I've got a bunch, but I'm going to move very quickly through them. So let's, let's move quickly. Hebrews chapter 11. And some I will just quote to you. But let's start with the first one together. Consider the life of Abraham. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham was in the earth that called these when God called him to come out. And he immediately got up and he went. Hebrews chapter 11 recounts the story. And the Bible says in verse 8 of chapter 11, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receiving for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one of him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitudes, the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity of return. But now they desired a better country that is a heavenly wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Listen to this. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. That when he had, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up. 
even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. Notice that Abraham went out and where, where, when he was called from the earth of Chaldees and he obeyed not because he knew where he was going and not because there was some promise, because he believed God. The Bible says Sarah received strength in her body to bear seed of Abraham. Why? Because the Bible says she believed God. The Bible says that God, or Abraham believed that God would raise up Isaac from the dead if he must slay him. Listen, it's not about what we are doing. It's about whom we are serving. And Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4, chapter 3 and 4, we read the story of Moses at the burning bush. You can write down Exodus 3 and 4. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14 Moses came up and he gives all kinds of excuses why he could not go and lead God's people out of the land of Egypt. And finally, the only answer he needed was, I am that I am. When they ask who sent you, you tell them, I am. It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you're serving. Moses could do anything that God tasked him with. As long as he kept inside, it was God who sent him. How about Isaiah? Isaiah chapter 6, we read that great chapter of Scripture where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And the cherubims and the seraphims were flying back and forth, and with twain they covered their eyes with wings, and with twain they covered their feet, and with twain they did fly, and they cried out night and day, Holy, holy, holy. And the Bible says when Isaiah saw it, he fell upon his face before a holy God. And he said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Wasn't about what he was about to do. It was about who he was going to serve. God can use anybody if we'll surrender to him. David. David is a great example in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He didn't care about the size of the giant. He wasn't worried about the Philistine armies. He said, what was David upset about then? The Goliath had the gall to stand out there and defy the armies of the living God. You're not going to talk about my God like that. You see, for David, it wasn't about the armor that he had not proved. It wasn't about his size. It wasn't about the size of the giant. I can just picture David running up and down the ranks and, who's going to fight? What does the man get that takes off the head of this uncircumcised Philistine? Eliab, why are you letting him stand out there and defy my God? I'll go. Nobody talks about my God like that. God delivered the lion and the bear into my hand, and surely he'll deliver this uncircumcised Philistine to my hand as well. You see, it's not about what you're doing. It's about who you're serving. He's God. The apostles in three and a half years learned about the worth of God as they watched Jesus Christ die on a cross and rise victorious over the grave. And they took the gospel to the ends of the earth, giving their very lives. Why? It wasn't about what they were doing. It was about who they were serving. They were serving God. The apostle Paul's faithful service and great suffering bears out the fact that he believed that God was worthy. Friend, we need to ask ourselves the same questions tonight. I'm concerned. 
I'm concerned that there's some folks that are maybe not doing much in the church. I'm not here to criticize you or put you down. I'm just saying that maybe you're because you're burnt out. Perhaps we get so caught up in doing the same thing every week for 50 years that we just say, I'm tired. Could I encourage you to have a fresh look at the Lord? There's a song, I think, Daniel, I'm going to have you sing it in a minute, okay? Um, Brother Butch used to sing it as well. Um, his feet were also weary as he walked. You know the song I'm talking about? You do? Good, good. You know it? Figure it out. All right. Amen. I, I'm pretty sure you've sang it, right? Okay, he's going to sing that song. Great song. It goes right along with what we're saying. His feet were also weary as he walked. His, the load became so heavy, he fell beneath the load. Jesus knows what it's like to carry a burden, and he can carry yours. He says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do you know what that verse says? And here, here's how we, we can avoid that burnout. Come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he says this, learn of me. You see, when we get a vision of who Jesus Christ is, all of a sudden the mission doesn't become about the mission or about the work that is upon our backs. It becomes about who Jesus is. It's not what you're doing. It's who you're serving. Let me ask you tonight. Are you tired? Are you burnt out? You need to get back in the Word. You need to get a fresh glimpse of Jesus. You need to remind yourself of what Jesus did for you and who He really is. And allow it to recharge your life. Because, friends, there's a lost and dying world going to hell. And if we don't tell them who will, they need Jesus.